Welcome to Dialogues in Afro-Latinidad, a podcast dedicated to amplifying and elevating Afro-Latin American and Afro-Latinx histories, cultures, and communities. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Reed Vasquez. Join us for conversations with experts and artists to learn more about Afro-Latinidad. Venga. It's my pleasure to welcome today's guest, Dr. Zuli Emilio. Dr. Emilio is an Afro-Dominican soprano with a doctorate of musical arts from Louisiana State University. She has appeared as a soloist throughout the U.S. and Europe. She actively pursues bringing awareness to Afro-Latinidad and classical music with her Afro-Latinx song and opera project. She uses her artistry and activism to work toward representation and equity for communities that are Black, Indigenous, and people of color. She has performed Jake Hagee's Natural Selection, where she worked with the composer directly and was a soprano soloist in Verdi's Requiem in Munich under the baton of Massimiliano Morali. Most recently, she has sung the role of the High Priestess and covered the title role in Verdi's Aida in Italy. Welcome to the Dialogues and Afro-Latinidad podcast. I am so excited to have you on today. As you know, I love music and I know some of the challenges of the classical music world. And as an Afro-Dominican opera singer, I know you have a powerful story to share. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So where did you grow up and how did you get, you, how did you get started as a musician? I, um, well, my parents are both from the Dominican Republic and I was born in New Jersey, but um, I was moved to Santo Domingo when I was like one year old, one year old. And I grew up there until I was about eight. And then from there, I went to Miami, Florida. And um, I would say that I got started with music um, after I moved to Miami and I was in like fifth grade. I got started with music by being in a choir, like an after school choir. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the music teacher, like I got a solo for one of the performances and the music teacher there told my parents, you know, you should really invest in voice lessons for her because she's really good. She's a very good singer. And so my parents took me to voice lessons um, for a little bit and I was just kind of having fun and all of that. And so that's how I got into singing and kind of playing the piano a little bit, but I mostly focused on singing just early on. And um, I would say that I got into opera when I was about 15 years old and my sister took me to my first opera I went to go see La Traviata mm -hmm. by Verdi, which is, you know, the opera that everybody knows from like Little Women. And not uh -huh. Little Women, Pretty Woman. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, the, the opera that was shown in Pretty Woman. And um, I was just floored by the whole spectacle of it. I was, mm -hmm. I was just, it made such an impact on me to hear a live orchestra, see the costumes and everybody moving and singing and hearing people that weren't amplified by microphones and I could hear them all the way in the back. And it was just so magical to me. And I was like, wow, I really want to do that. And, um, and so, but, yeah, that's how, that was, that was it for me. I saw it and I was like, what is this? I love it. I love this. I love it. And so how did you go from this 15 year old thrust into this magical world to pursuing your doctorate in music and getting on this trail of creating your your Afro-Latinx song and opera project. So yeah, how did you make that transition? 
I, so I, I don't know, I've always been very like headstrong in a way. And when I did like set my mind to something, that's what I want to do. And when I uh, saw that opera, I was like, I want to do that. My sister was like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, sure. Right. Cause <laughs> that's so random. And you know, nobody else in my family does anything in music. Like nobody's like quote unquote musical. I grew up around music and listening to a lot of merengue, bachata, you know, merengue típico, like growing up, but nothing in the classical realm. So my parents, you know, they were, they were wonderful in the way that they let me explore a lot of things, even if they maybe didn't understand what I was doing. They're just like, oh, she wants to try that. Go ahead, whatever. And um, <clears throat> so when I told them, I was like, I really like opera. I continued with my voice lessons and we looked for different ways for me to perform. And uh, when I finished high school and went into college, I did summer classes and I started taking like beginning voice lessons when I, when I went into college just to test it out and see because at that time I didn't read music or anything like that. So in a way I was a little behind um, other people that might be going into music school. So, um, but I learned how to read music in a semester and, and I was between either being a opera singer or a astronomer and i went with singing i love it i love it opera singer astronomer let's see i love it yeah and so I, the funny thing is that i didn't choose astronomy because i said oh everything is just theories nothing is proven you know music is more secure okay, jo jokes I, on me because that is too funny you know, music is also very much like I can I can prepare and then whatever happens in the moment happens. Mm -hmm. And um, so I did my undergrad in Miami. I started at Florida International University and moved to New World School of the Arts in downtown. And then I did my master's. So then after I did that, after I did that and while I was doing my undergrad in Miami, I worked in the chorus at Florida Grand Opera, which was a wonderful experience. And being in the chorus really taught me so much, honestly, in the professional chorus. Um, <clears throat> from there, I moved on to doing my master's and my doctorate at uh, Louisiana State University. And I didn't go to do my master's with the intention of doing my doctorate, but I did stay for my doctorate just because I wanted to um, get as much knowledge as possible about my craft and continue honing my craft and um, do the kind of, kind of, I also, I also was interested in doing some research. And so I did it during my doctorate. And so that's how I ended up being a doctor of music. <laughs> it's just kind of like, it, you know, that was the path and I just went with it. Absolutely. So, and so thinking about that path, I know you, we've talked, I've mentioned a little bit about this, but I want you to elaborate on this Afro-Latinx song and opera project. How does this connect? How, where did this emerge from? How does it connect to your passion surrounding music and Afro-Latinidad? You know, I, for a long time, classical music is very Eurocentric. And for a long time, I was longing to see myself represented in the music that I sing, or at least have the option to sing things that that I can relate to on a very deep and personal level. Um, because I, you know, during my doctorate, I did um, a whole song, song cycle, a Spanish song cycle. 
or song recital. It was all Spanish music. But you know, everything is like music from Spain or if it's from Latin America, it's usually very rooted in um, the in European Western music, European Western music. So, and, and also the poetry too, it's just, it's very, it's things that don't necessarily reflect Afro-Latinidad. And so um, since <laughs> this pandemic, everybody had to slow down mm -hmm. and just really think about things. And especially in opera, things completely shut down. I had the time to just really think about how can I make this happen? How can I, how can I sing music that reflects me? Mm. And um, there's been a lot of that in the opera world lately, like just commissioning of works mm -hmm. that tell the stories of um, black and indigenous and people of color in general. And so I was like, but nobody's talking about Afro-Latinidad. Exactly. And so um, I was like, but okay. But I, so I was like, okay, if I want this to happen, I'm going to have to do it myself. That's right. <laughs> and, so, and so I did. And so I came up with, uh, I, I really like thought about a lot of ideation about how this is going to work, what I want to do with it. Um, and at first it was just going to be like a one-time project, but I, I changed that it to, it's just going to be a constant, like ongoing project with different, mm -hmm. um, commissions, different people convening and different partners coming together to get these stories told and to have this music commissioned because, um, not only does it, does it give me performance opportunities, which is something that. Um, I struggle with as a black woman in opera and you know this happens a lot with um, uh, black and brown people um, and people of color in general in classical music we we don't get to be we don't have we don't get to be imagined as anything other than how we present mm -hmm. as opposed to some of our other colleagues that are not people of color they get to be imagined to be anything mm -hmm. and so um this not only gives us more performance opportunities, but it also um, exposes the opera public to stories that they didn't know, complexities of Latinx identities they didn't maybe know, and it diversifies like the classical music canon. So um, I think it just does so much just to tell the stories through this music. Can you give me an example of one of the projects? that you're working on out of this? Well, the first thing that we did is, um, you know, f I have to fundraise to get these things commissioned. So I applied for fiscal sponsorship and my project is now fiscally sponsored. So it has nonprofit status, which is great. Excellent. Yes. Um, and right now I am uh, reaching out to, the first project I wanna do is, there's a lot of wonderful people putting their art and their writing on social media. And there's a lot of Afro-Latinx people doing this right now. And um, the first project that we're doing is making a song cycle of poetry of these Afro-Latinx artists that kind of put their stuff on social media that might not be the traditional route mm -hmm. that people usually publish their work. And that's why I wanted to do that. So it's like a song, a song cycle that tells with a collection of poetry set to music. Um, Sounds wonderful. Are there any particular kinds of uh, composers that you're trying to showcase? Uh, artists, or other musicians that you're trying to showcase in the work? Yeah, I definitely am wanting to connect with Afro-Latinx um, composers 
there's a couple that I'm speaking with right now. And um, also, I don't want to just, usually song cycles is just voice and piano. Um, but I do want to um, bring in other instruments. And not only that, like other um, other styles of music that you usually don't find in classical music that can infuse this music that have um, Afro-Indigenous roots with their respective countries. So I want to, you know, I mean, I'm Dominican, so of course I'm thinking of like Via Mella, and I'm thinking of Palo and um, that kind of yeah, African drumming, I want to incorporate guidas and things like that into my music. And so, um, so I'm collaborating with a composer that really understands that kind of music as well. So um, I think eventually what I'm hoping for is maybe a, um, uh, like a competition like a, for, for composers. So yes. there'll be poetry, this is kind of like the task and then people can write different pieces to the same music and there could be like a composition contest to bring more of this work to incentivize creating some more of this Af of this work of bringing afro latinx text um to classical music i can't wait that sounds fantastic yeah. um and so shifting gears just a little as a, an artist and educator how do you think your work, and particularly this project, how do you think it helps helps us get a better understanding of Afro-Latinx communities, whether it's the histories or expressive culture? How do you how do you see that? Yeah. So the class, I, I want to specifically say, like, I'm working within the classical music realm, which is its own little uh, microcosm, uh -huh. of, and it usually reflects more often than not, some of the most um, traditional views that we find in the in our in our societies and the systems we live in, right? So, um, I I'm I'm part of the reason I'm doing this is because of my own experience within the opera world where I've never so there the concept or the idea of Latinidad or what. Latinidad looks like is not me, mm. even though I am Latina, right? And I say, yes. I mean, I'm Afro-Latina, but, you know, so I'm never considered for any roles that call for a Latina. You know, there's a particular, wow. there's a, a very, um, one of the bigger opera houses, they had, um, uh, they had a Latinx or Latino concert that was like Noche de no sé qué, de Vacion, I think it was mm -hmm. called or something like that mm -hmm. and there wasn't a single Afro-Latinx singer there that is what uh, we're up against yeah right so it's like the idea that it's very the their idea in classical music of Latinidad is very it's like a very monolithic idea it's a very homogenous idea that you have to look a certain way and so I will only get considered for, you know, certain roles for my voice type, but also roles that call for black singers, which yes, I'm black, 
but I am also Latina, so I can be considered for the Latina roles, but because their idea of Latinidad doesn't involve blackness, then I'm not considered for it. So I think that there's just part of the issue is challenging what Latinidad is because they don't know. Right. I mean, it's a, it is very much, you say it's, it's a microcosm, but it's a microcosm that ref, that's very re, reflective of what kind of the broader society thinks of exactly. when they think. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And when they think of Latinidad, it does not typically include people of African descent. It really doesn't. And so that's the, so in that particular realm, there's no understanding of Afro-Latinidad. So that's the, this project while creating opportunities for people like me is also educating people. Just just creating and commissioning these works is gonna educate them that there's something else to Latinidad that they don't understand, Mm -hmm. which, and you know, I believe I, I I am of the belief that blackness is an integral part of Latinidad and its history. So, it's it, you can't say that you're championing Latinx people within classical music without including people of African descent that are Latinx. Definitely. So. And speaking of your work in classical music, would you mind singing something for us? Okay, let me see if I can sing a little bit. <laughs> so much for sharing that with us absolutely and if even thinking about that i mean that this this issue about the absence of blackness and in, in latinidad in, in the classical world and i'm just wondering is is that would you say that that is kind of the most pressing issue for uh afro-latinx musicians and certainly and if yeah. in, in one in one in one space and then another how does that how does that seep out into afro-latinx communities and their their challenges well it's just i mean I'm, i just don't in when the classical realm i it a lot of the time i don't feel fully understood mm. as as a as who i am as a person because it's just like it's like well why you know questions like well why do you speak spanish when did you learn like or you know oh what you're dominican okay but but are you like half are you like the, like they're trying to figure out i it's almost like you know it's like it does not compute like right. i can see it written in their face like, oh, like right and i'm just like oh boy so um so that's so just not being fully understood as a person um is kind of what within in classical music is what um inspired me to do this and it is it is one of the pressing issues because um uh we're not getting considered for roles that i think that we should be being considered for mm-hmm. um but i also think that um addressing um so then outside of the classical world then there's like latinos 
that for, they don't even, they just kind of assume that classical music is not a genre that there are Latinos in. Right. And so then I'm like, yeah, but I'm Latina and look, I'm doing that. Sometimes Latinos, the Latin, within my, my own a broad Latino community, um, I, I, they're still like, oh, you're, but you are Latina, right? And I'm like, oh my God. Wait, because you, because you do opera? There's that question, or is it because you're Afro Dominican? Because I'm Afro Dominican, okay. and so and so then there I run into that, and then there is, um, so, but then you know of course I'm like no I'm Dominican they're like okay whatever, but um, yeah it's just uh, it you know classical music is always perceived as something that's done it's like a predominantly white space which it is. And I think that the general public and our Latinx communities do not realize that there's Latinos, um, do, you know, in this realm. And I think that if they uh, were more aware of that, there would be more support. And also, like, people want to see themselves represented on the stage, right? Like, people exactly. want to see themselves in the things that they go um, be patrons of. So if you're not if you're not listening to your community as like an opera company or whatever project you're doing and showing them things that they can relate to, they're not gonna be engaged. And, you know, this project is a way to um, engage your communities as well. Like uh, there's de definitely many cities and many areas in the United States that is heavily populated with Afro-Latinos and I'm sure they would love to see the stories of Afro-Latinos in classical music. And they would go to the opera for that. You know, I'm, I'm really inspired by this um, Houston Grand Opera in Texas. They're, a few years ago, they commissioned an opera and it was a mariachi opera. Wow. So there was mariachi on stage, part, and it wasn't just that they were part of the opera, it was called a mariachi opera. So it was telling a story of, um, a, it was telling a story, a particular story um, that is a Mexican story. And that to me was just brilliant because, you know, those kinds of works are very much, very valid, deserve to take, have that space. And it brings in a whole new audience and opens them up and exposes them to classical music, which they should, there's also something that they can take part in. I think your point about this representation is really so critical that yes, it's classical music. It's, it's simply a genre of music. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that only one group of people get to claim it and represent themselves only in it. And I think that whole point about seeing yourself doing this, um, mm -hmm. seeing yourself presented in this way, seeing your stories being told in this form uh, are extremely important that people, that if you don't see it, I mean, again, you, you had this, kind of life-changing moment and seeing the opera that you did at 15. But what, just think, just imagine if you had seen it, seen, your, seen someone who looked like you singing these parts. Right. What, you know, how influential, how more, even more impactful that would have been. Well, when I first started taking voice lessons, I, um, my voice teacher at the time, she was like, why don't you go to the music library, do some listening and tell me what recordings you like. So I couldn't find a single 
you know, person of color, personal at first. Mm -hmm. And then I landed with Elaine Teen Price, this beautiful woman from Laurel, Mississippi, singing. And that's when I was like, oh, wow, I can actually sing this because I saw somebody that looked like me. And then I landed my favorite singer, Martina Arroyo, who is um, half Puerto Rican, half African-American. And she is one of the most famous singers. She's still alive, lives in New York. And I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, so I can actually do this. Exactly. I mean, again, that, that that's what that representation does. It says, yes, I can do this. You can do this. Like this is a possibility for me. So when I saw those two singers, you know, I brought that back to my lesson and I was like, I want to sing like them. My teacher was like, this is a very good choice. <laughs> well, that's but, good. Yeah. Oh, but there's a but in there? Yo, she was just like, very good choice. Okay. <laughs> good. Okay, let's get started. But um, that really meant so much to me to see people that look like me sing and um, be part of this um, art form. because It's a beautiful art form. Absolutely. I know that there was a time I did a concert once at Harvard, yeah, in Boston. And there was um, a young girl there and she is Dominican, she's Dominican. And she freaked out that she met a Dominican opera singer. She never thought, she was like, I really thought like no Dominicans did this. Like I had no idea. And she was just so emotional about the fact that she met a Dominican opera singer and was so, and you know, I keep in touch with her and everything. And so like, even within that one concert that I did made an impact on her and she still continues to sing. So um, seeing our, seeing us represented out there um, really does make a difference. And, um, and I hope that companies really start taking that to heart. Well, that's a, a beautiful you know, representation as we're talking about of, of mm-hmm. someone of, of the impact of seeing themselves reflected um, and the work, and I'm so glad you got a chance to tell you that because again, you might not have ever known about it. No, I really wouldn't have. I, she just, she was really lovely. She came up to me after the concert. She was like, "Oh my God, I'm Dominican too. I'm so happy." And the, you know, and I was just like, really. That's the first time something like that ever happened to me, and I was like, "Oh wow." But it tells you. I mean, it's really just the tip of the iceberg in terms of yeah. who's listening, who's watching, who needs to see. Right. someone like you on the stage. Right. So we I want to we we just have a little bit of time left. And so I want to get a sense of um, in addition to your roles in Verdi's Requiem and Aida um, and your references to kind of the inspiration you you, you received from Leontine Price and the music of um you said Martina 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 Arroyo. Uh, yeah. uh, were what other specific uh, artists or recordings or resources would you recommend to people who are interested in learning more? about uh, this topic, Afro-Latinos in classical music? This is a very, like, this, you know, Afro-Latinos in classical music do exist. We're still, um, you know, coming out more mm-hmm. um, and being highlighted more. I know that I do my, I do the work of, like, highlighting and talking about this on the Afro-Latinx Song and Opera Project, which can be found on Instagram as Afro-Latinx Opera as well as on um, Facebook. We're working on our website. And then I also do a lot of work with a group called the Grassroots Grassroots, uh, group called Latina Women in Opera. 
And um, in that group, um, we tend to focus on um, uplifting Black and Indigenous opera singers and the things that affect them the most. So um, we also have that there. Um, in my own personal account, if you find me on Instagram, I talk a lot about Afro-Latinidad mm -hmm. and in classical music and some Afro-Latinx people in opera that you can support. Of course, there's a beautiful singer that's Afro-Panamanian. Her name is Laquita Mitchell, and she's a beautiful singer. I know that she just, I think just past weekend, just did um, a concert in New York with the Harlem Chambers players, and um, beautiful singer, beautiful voice. Of course, Martina Arroyo, another beautiful Afro-Colombian singer who's currently in Germany. Her name is Betty Garces, and she's a wonderful singer that you can listen to her YouTube videos and support her. So um, we're out there, we're doing our thing, and um, we're bringing Afro-Latinidad to the forefront um, with the work that we do. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story of Afro-Latinidad and activism in classical music. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Dialogues on Afro Latinidad, please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend. For links to the resources mentioned in the interview, visit our website at michellereedvasquez.com forward slash podcast.